Okay, now everything that you say will uh, you know, can be used against you. Um, we're on page, on the top of... agree to be recorded. <laughs> <laughs> and your Hebrew English Tanya, the bottom of the page is 209, the top is 112. Um, and we're holding four lines from the top, middle of the line, by the words, Kemoi lefnei levishas talas utfilin. And what did we learn over here quickly? He said earlier in the Perik that he says, although in general there's importance of love for Hashem, Avas Hashem, and there's importance of fear of Hashem, and typically we associate love of Hashem with the positive commandments. Like if we love Hashem, we'll do what He wants, and fear of Hashem with not doing sins. Nevertheless, he says, every Yid has to awaken a basic level of Yiras Shemayim, a fear of Hashem, acceptance of Hashem as a master, um, and that is a basic prerequisite to performing any mitzvah properly. Because before we serve Hashem, before we do a mitzvah, we should think about the fact that Hashem is a melech, Hashem is a king, and Hashem is looking at me and waiting to see that I serve Him properly. And therefore, to have that sense of um, the sense of awe, the sense of uh, fear of rebelling in the eyes of Hashem. And that's something He says I should think about before one, before doing mitzvahs, before doing any any type of mitzvah. Which is the contemplation you should have before you go ahead and do a mitzvah? Exactly. A basic contemplation doesn't have to be a long time, but I am going to serve Hashem. It's not just about I like this and it's, I appreciate it and me and Hashem are buddy buddies. That's nice, but there has to be a basic sense of Yerash Shemayim. Like we say, when we open up the Aron Kodesh, before we take out the Torah, we say, I am a servant of Hashem. And that is a basic initial step before performing a mitzvah. So now, that's what we learned last week, and it's a, in, in short. But he goes on and says, Kemoi, for example, Lefnei Levishas Talos Utfilin. Okay, those words we read already last week. Like, for example, in the morning before a person puts on his Talos, his Tefillin, is a time to think about that, about the greatness of Hashem and my commitment to serve Him. Vigan. On top of that, in addition to that, Yisboinein. One should contemplate, one should reflect. The infinite light of Hashem, that transcends all worlds, and fills all worlds. This is the divine will. Who melubash is enclosed in the words and the wisdom of Torah. In other words, when one studies Torah, one should remember it's not just a nice idea, it's not just a nice philosophy. But it's actually Hashem himself, Hashem's wisdom, Hashem's will that's enclosed in the words and in the wisdom of the Torah. He talked before, before about putting on tzitzis and tefillin, talus and tefillin in the morning. So to recognize that when I'm doing a mitzvah, whether it's talus, tzitzis, whether it's tefillin, whether it's study of Torah, any mitzvah, that Hashem is actually enclosed in the mitzvahs that we do. And therefore, when one is reading the words of Torah, when one is enclosing themselves in the mitzvahs, one is drawing down Hashem's divine light on himself. That means every, every one of us has a part of Hashem within us, a part of Hashem from above that's in our soul. But we're drawing down Hashem himself to that part, of, to my neshama. That the godliness within me should become included and should become a part, nullified within Hashem's divine light. So, so here he's saying that when I'm doing a mitzvah, I have to remember that I'm not just, you know, stam doing a nice thing. I'm stam, you know, putting on tefillin. I'm stam uh, eating in a sukkah or whatever, a mezuzah. 
but rather this is Hashem Himself that's enclosed in this mitzvah, enclosed in this Torah. And when I'm learning it, I'm actually connecting. I'm bringing that, the Hashem that's in the Torah and the mitzvahs, and connecting that with my Nisham. So, I mean, so you're saying is that for the Schar and Odishak, you're not looking at it as a brawny point or, or a stick, you're looking at it as like, I'm creating, I'm creating a, connection. a connection, a relationship. Correct, correct. We, the, the greatest schar and oinish, the greatest reward and punishment for Torah mitzvahs, is not, like you said, brownie points or Hashem will give us some good candy or whatever. The ultimate, as the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, schar mitzvah, mitzvah, mitzvah. That the ultimate, the greatest reward that one is able to obtain is the very fact that I'm able to do something that connects me with the infinite, that connects me with Hashem. Um, we're very finite people. So to us, what feels good is, you know, if you get a... You know, say if you come to Tanya class, you get good candy. But every all of us know we don't come to Tanya class for candy, right? Came for pizza <laughs> or pizza or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> I promise pizza. I don't see it. Okay, the, the court proceedings will take place afterward. But the ultimate reward for studying Tanya or any part of Torah or for Mitzvah is the fact that I was able to connect Hashem when I did that. Now, being that we're physical people, sometimes pizza might talk to us a little bit more. But that's only the physical side of me. The real side of me, the spiritual side of me, the side that ultimately experiences it, is the side that appreciates the actual mitzvah, that connection that happens with Hashem. Okay, but if you take that to the nth degree, then you're completely nullified and you no longer exist as an independent body, right? Like, So at some point you have to be, I would say you, but you, like a selfish you, right? In order to, for you to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So... Where's that line? Right, if I if I get close enough to Hashem, I'm gone. Like there is no more me. Or that's the truest me. I don't know what that means, but yeah. <laughs> In other words, that's where I ultimately come from. So that whole independence from Hashem. You know, the way you're you're saying it is like almost I am the independent existence from Hashem. But if I lose that independence, then I'm just Hashem. Then I'm not me anymore. But if the truest me is the way I come from within Hashem, so I'm coming closer closer and closer to the truest me when I'm revealing more and more my connection to Hashem. You know, there is the physical me, there's the physical body. That's one part of me. Well, forget about the body, I'm just saying the self, wherever that lies. I mean, exactly. like that's in the Ruach, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, if you... It seems to me that Hashem wanted a separate being, right. somebody that could, he could tussle with a little bit, that wouldn't necessarily... Just be nullified before, otherwise you have malachim. Right. right. So right. it seems like that the, the the essence of what Hashem wants is this independent existence that also can appreciate and have a relationship. So so great. You're, you're saying a, a great concept, and what you're what you're um, really touching on is a kabbalistic concept that's called ratzoi and shuv. Ratzoi and shuv literally means running for, towards and then coming back. And in Kabbalah and in Hasidus, there's a lot about that, that a person has this tremendous desire to disconnect and lose themselves in the face of Hashem. So, perhaps I'll give an example, a person who loves music. And the, the biggest reward is just to go to a place where there's the finest musicians and just, just you know, be a fly on the wall there. Just, just take it all in. Or a person who loves art, or a person who loves anything. Just to lose yourself in the pleasure of what you're looking for. So there is the David HaMelech says in Tehillim, Someone nafshi lelokim, like I have this thirst to just connect to Hashem. Or we say, Achas sha'alti, 
I have one request. Shifti bebeis Hashem, kolim mechayel. Let me just sit and bask in Hashem's glory. But on the other hand, as you said correctly, Hashem wants us down here in the world, in a body, doing mitzvahs, correcting and refining the world. So there's this constant state of friction that a neshama is really going through. On the one hand, there's nothing a neshama would rather than just you know, bring me to Ganesh. Just let me bask in Hashem's glory. That's all I need. I'm not looking for my own... Uh, just, just let me get lost there. Um, and the other hand, Hashem says, I, that's wonderful, but I need you in the world. I need you to do, and I need you to understand, and I need you to, to affect the world, and the body, and people, and so on and so forth. So that's um, it's part of the life of a neshama. It's part of the life I mean, of the year. It's partnership in creation, right? I'm sorry? Hashem created the world unfinished for Correct, reason. correct. So, so he gives us a mission, he gives us a job, and he says, I want you there. Um, you know, we have the concept of kolos hanefesh. Kolos hanefesh is when a person is in such a great level of desire for Hashem that his neshama could just leave his body. Um, some, the Baal Shem Tov said sometimes before he would go daven, he would bid his family farewell. He says, I don't know if I'll make it back. Really? He said, you know, when you daven, you're so inspired. It's, so it's this. a little PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he didn't know. He didn't know if he'd make it back. And the Baal Shem Tov once said, he says, the fact that a Jew remains alive after davening is a miracle. Because he's so enthused and so inspired that you just want to get lost in Hashem. I learned something this morning which seemed like kind of similar and it was like when you know we used to have a drive, like a strong drive, towards the Vodazara. Right. And when that drive was taken, when we had that drive, we had much more of a, we like we constantly wanted to be like close to Hashem, and that's really so. In so basically more spiritual. It, yeah. So basically, what it was doing was so when we would see like opportunities to like connect to something somehow like we would just like constantly like run to them. So it's kind of, so we don't have that anymore. So now we're kind of learning in here like when you're doing these different activities, you kind of have to like get in that in no. that zone that right. we're not it, that we don't have naturally anymore. Right. Right. So in other words, in other words, on the one hand, we want to inspire the spirituality within ourselves to just connect to Hashem and sort of run away and and you know float up to Hashem. And then we're filled with a sense of mission that that's not what it's about. It's not about becoming spiritual, becoming a malach. Hashem created us in this world with a very distinct mission, and that's Torah Mitzvah. But on the other hand, it's positive to also have the desire to pull close. So, and, and Ayid is, again, back and forth between pulling close and trying to be more and more spiritual and recognizing that I have to be a person and a human being with the job that Hashem commissioned me for. So, but now we're talking about what happens right before we do the mitzvah. Here he says something interesting. So he says, to think about, to recognize that when I'm doing a mitzvah, Hashem is actually in that mitzvah and I'm drawing Hashem down on me. Um, where, am I, where am I holding? Vidarach Prat. The line begins with the words, Vidarach Prat, it says, individually speaking. So there's the general concept, but very specifically, Bitfilin, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm really fine. Bitfilin, libatel vilikolo. Every mitzvah has unique spiritual um, effects and powers. You know, there's a reason that there's 613 different types of mitzvahs. Because each one does something else for us and connects us in a different way. So here he's going to give us a short snippet. There's actually a full book of Hasidus, I don't know if you've seen it, called Derech Mitzvosecha. And that's written by the Tanya, by the Alter Rebbe's grandson, the third Rebbe of Chabad. And he goes through the mitzvahs one by one. Is it the Rebbe Tzadik? Tzamach Tzadik. 
And he goes through the mitzvahs one by one, explaining what is the spiritual power of each mitzvah and how that expresses itself in each mitzvah. He doesn't cover all 613. Oh, he does? Oh. Not all 16. But in that book, maybe... Does that have something to do with the, the same thing with the body, like how each one has to do with a certain limb and sinew of the body? Yes, 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 yes. yes. He doesn't talk about that at that angle. Others from talk about that angle. But he talks about the Kabbalistic meaning and ramification of each mitzvah and therefore why a lot of the details of the mitzvah follow a certain pattern based on this Kabbalistic meaning. A lot of that is actually translated in English. I've definitely seen at least different sections of that. But so here he says, Derek Prat, specifically bit tefillin. When you think about tefillin, Libatil vilikolo, that a person wants to uh, nullify and include bechinas chachmasay ubinasay, shebenashay olikis, one's wisdom and understanding of the godly soul, bechinas chachmasay ubinasay shel einsayv baruchu, in the chachma and bina of Hashem. Hamelubashay is derech prat, that Hashem's wisdom and understanding are enclosed, um, specifically beparshas kadish, vahoyaki viyacha. What he's saying is the following. How many Torah, how many sections of Torah are there in the tefillin? Four. Right? We know there's the tefillin on the head, tefillin on the arm. Both of them have four parshas in them. The difference between the head, there's the same parshas in the head and the arm. What's the difference? The order, I mean, the separation or the other. Right. In the, in the arm tefillin, the four parshas are written on one, um, cloth. On one cloth, one piece of parchment that's rolled up, and you have four parshas. In the head tefillin, there's four sections. And each of those parshas are written on an individual section. But it's the same four parshas. How about Rabbeinu Tams? Same thing. The, the, the only difference between Rabbeinu Tams is that the order of the four parshas on the mm-hmm. cloth. But it's the same thing that in the arm tefillin, all four are on one cloth, and the head tefillin, four different cloths. Mm-hmm. It's just the order. That's Rabbeinu Tams. Excuse me. Um, so he's telling us here that these four parshas represent four um, aspects of Hashem, or four attributes of Hashem. And they are Chachma and Bina, which is the first two parshas are Kaddish, that's Chachma, and Vahayoki Viacha, that's Bina, wisdom and understanding. And then, then you have the next two, which is Shema and Vahayim Shemaya, and that is Das, which is knowledge, but split into two because there's the knowledge that brings Chesed and the knowledge that brings Gevura. The knowledge in Chasidus is always the idea of connecting. We connect the wisdom and we can connect it in a um, chesed way, which is a way of kindness, of giving, a flow, and a way of severity, which is givura. So, as he says, let's read. I'll read it, then we'll explain more. He says um, that to that a person puts on the tefillin and is thinking that I want to connect and nullify my wisdom and Hashem's wisdom and my understanding in Hashem's, because Hashem's is enclosed in the psukim, in the parshas of Kadesh Vayikviyach. What does that mean to nullify my wisdom in Hashem's? That what is my wisdom and understanding going to be focused on, involved in? Hashem's wisdom. Torah, Hashem's understanding. Um, that that's what my mind is primarily for Hashem, for, 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 for spiritual understanding and for Torah study. I'll talk about that more in a moment. V'chein. In the same way, to include, nullify, the knowledge in one's soul, which is kindness and severity, the power of fear and love in one's heart, and to connect that with Hashem's supernal das, 
Hakoylo Chesed Gvura, which again includes wisdom, kindness, and severity. Hamelubish beParshas Shema v'Hoyim Shemaya, which is enclosed in the next two parshas of the Tefillin, which is Shema v'Hoyim Shemaya. In simple words, what did we just say? That I'm connecting my mind to Hashem and I'm connecting my heart to Hashem, which actually is the halachic kavana of Tefillin. You know, we know every every mitzvah has basic kavana. What's the basic kavana of Tefillin that it says in Shulchan Aruch? What should one think when they put on Tefillin? So it is that we're placing the arm Tefillin near our hearts and the head the head Tefillin near our mind, and they are in order to connect our mind and our heart to Hashem. Our mind is the seat of our intellect. Our heart is the seat of our emotion. And the mitzvah of tefillin is all about saying that I'm connecting my head to Hashem and I'm connecting my heart to Hashem. And that's the basic kavan of tefillin. Um, and according to Allah, it's interesting, you know, some mitzvahs kavan is less important for you. Just, just do it, you know, just get it done. Tefillin is one of those mitzvahs that there's a unique um, clause in Shulchan Aruch that one should take a moment when they put on tefillin to recognize what we're doing. You know, it's, it's early morning and some people are not really awake yet. But nevertheless, we're supposed to take even a couple seconds when we're putting on the tefillin and say, yeah, I'm putting it on my arm near my heart. I'm putting it on my mind near my head to connect my wisdom, my thinking, and my heart, my feelings to Hashem. So that's practical halacha. And here is giving you the Kabbalistic twist that that's because the four parshas of the tefillin are those four attributes of Hashem, Hashem's Chachma, Hashem's Bina, and Hashem's Midos in Shema V'Hayim Shema. So as he says over here, Kasuv Aruch, as written in Shulchan Aruch, L'Shabed Halev V'Hamoach Chulu. That one puts on tefillin with that particular intention to be Meshabed, which is to sort of subjugate my thinking and my feelings to Hashem to be more spiritually connected. So that would be our Kavana before one puts on tefillin. There is a, um, you have to go at some point, right? Uh, I don't want to yeah, hold it's you. It's literally 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to McCourt. So <laughs> ah, okay. Well, uh, you won't get lost on the way you're saying. Okay, so I'll tell you a quick, a quick Misa. There is in, um, in Pirkei Avos, no, not Pirkei Avos. I mean, it's brought in Pirkei Avos. It's a Pasuk. It says, I, I want to say it's Tehillim, but I'm not sure. It says, Yegia Kapecha Kisochal. That you should eat from the toil of your hands. What does that mean? Toil of your hands. Eat from your work, whatever your work is. What does the work of your hands mean? You should have a vegetable garden. <laughs> That's one shot. Do you, do you have that? I don't have you that. You don't? Okay. But I pick up my own vegetables at the store. <laughs> um, what does it mean, the work of your hands? So the way it's explained in Hasidus is that the hands represent the more external parts of a person. When a, a person, you know, a person's got to work. you got to work, you got to do what you got to do. A person should have a part of them that remains above their work. I gotta do what I gotta do. So I, I have to invest in my work as much as I need to invest to be able to do it. But there should be a certain place in my mind, in my heart, that's free of it, that's higher. That that I can invest in spirituality, in Torah, and mitzvahs, and the things that are more significant, more important. And that's what means Yigiyah Kapecha. When it comes to the work, you know, do what you gotta do. But don't get lost. Some people get so involved in their work, there's no place for anything else. And and that consumes them entirely, and we don't. We don't isn't that isn't that a level? Isn't that a question of a person's emuna versus their shtadlus? Like a person oh. has more emuna needs less shtadlus. Without a doubt, without a doubt. In other words, if you really believe that Hashem is giving me bracha, Hashem expects me to do what I got to do. So okay, I'll do what I got to do. 
But if I'm going to lay in bed by night tossing and turning because, you know, what's tomorrow's business deal? What's the next day? And I've got to make this work. So in a sense, there's some lacking of Amunah here because it's really based on my how much I'm going to think about it. So if I put in 24-7, I'll probably make more money and I'll probably do better. But also, a person who's on a... So this is the question I think Ari and I have discussed before. A person who's on a higher spiritual plane has more Amunah requires less Gashmias in the world. So is it the fact that he's being... He's, he's doing less shadows in that area, but he also needs less, so he's constricted his desires. More. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. But on the other hand, Hasidus tells us that Hashem gives every person, tells him how much bracha he's going to get. And then you got to do your job to get it. Doing more than necessary, you're going to get what, you, what you're supposed to get. You're going to get what you're supposed to get, whether you work like a mensch and then go to Shir Torah and go to a minion, or you're just going to drive yourself crazy all day and all night and can't do anything else because you have to make your money. So how do you, how's one determine how much Ishtabos they have to do? A- ask your rabbi. <laughs> That's always a good answer. Ask your rabbi. I heard there was a, a multi-millionaire who wanted to make Aliyah and he asked the rabbi. I just like read it in his book. You're talking about yourself now. <laughs> no, he told me. I can, no. um, and he, he said, um, he said, you can't go. He says, there's like too many people relying on you. Like you're not going to, like there's no way you'll be able to carry through with like your businesses. Mm. He says, you got to stay you know, there. You're right. There's personal, you have to be, you have, you know, asking your Rebbe is always an important thing. But, the, but a basic answer is you have to do what's normal and what's halachically okay. In other words, halachically, a person should be able to learn Torah every day. Halachically, a person should be able to daven every day. Shachras min so if my work is making me, I can't learn, I don't have time for Torah, I don't have time for tefillah, I don't have time for my family, I don't have time because I, I have to make, I have to do what I got to do. That means I'm going beyond what Hashem prescribes is right for me to do. I should be able to have a Shabbos, where on Shabbos I don't think about Parnas. When a person is so into it that a whole Shabbos I'm, I'm tossing and turning about it. If a person's, if a person's learning every day and davening three times a day at the minyan, Aaron's a family. There's not a whole lot of time for work in that. And you don't need it. <laughs> right. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, honestly, you're done breaking up the day. Like, it's almost that's, impossible. I don't know if that's exactly a fact. There are people who are exceptions to the rule. Are wonderful tzaddik. I'm saying for the masses. Davening Dav- three times a day doesn't take that much time. And learning yeah. Torah, we're not talking about learning four hours a day. We're talking about learning one hour, a half hour in the morning, half hour at night. And, when, and you give your family a couple hours. You can still hours. work. You can still work healthy eight-hour days. And learn Torah and Davin. Gotta hit the gym too. Gotta take care of your body. <laughs> as soon as you said that, he's leaving. Yeah, he's like, oh, this guy's talking about gym. <laughs> Thank you so out. much. Oh, don't worry about it. Thank you, Daniel. Baby I'll see you next week. Tuesday take nights. Care. Yeah. Excellent. Shakaya. Um, anyway, is that it? you have a time for a one minute story? Yeah. So here's the story. I just told this to my class yesterday in Yeshiva because we were talking about the same concept. There was a chassid. His name was Reb Chaim Moshe Alperovich. Chassid, Russia. And ultimately came out of Russia and got, came to Israel. And he wasn't really educated in any type of you know, professional stuff, and he had to work. So he got a job in a construction company. And he was literally schlepping bricks. And, you know, now, who are the type of guys who are schlepping the bricks in the construction companies? Usually not the most uh, uh, intelligent, intelligent high-class, high-level people. This is, you know. So the, the guy, the owner, recognized that this chassid with a big beard, he doesn't belong there with those brawny guys who are talking there and whatever. And he offers him a job in the office. He was in the office, paperwork, you know, he didn't have to schlep bricks. So he took the job. A couple days later, he came back to him and says, I want, I want the old job. He says, fine, but why? It was back-breaking labor. 
So he said like this, and it's not for everyone, but this is, he says, when I did that job, that job required zero from my mind. I was slapping. I was, so my mind, I was saying Mishnah by heart. I was t- reviewing Tanya. My mind was free to soar. Now you put me in the office and I have to make calculations of this. Not, I can't do Mishnahis. I can't do Tanya. I want to do a hands job. That's what he said. But that, that's this idea to an extreme. Of, he says, my head is for pure things, for holy things. My hands will work. Give me a job for my hands. That's the Misa. Okay, like here you go. But like no, so I'm not saying that everyone here we have to get jobs as construction workers. But there's a concept there that we should have a place in our head and our mind <coughs> that's work. free for higher things and for greater things. And we gotta do what we gotta do. Anyways. Thank yeah. you so much. Those guys chucking the bricks now, they get paid forty bucks an hour. Okay. <laughs> that's not so bad for a mindless work. Rabbi Shakhtar said something great. He said, when you're diving in for good parnasa. Don't think you have good parnasa if you're making a ton of money and if you don't have time for your family and if you don't have time to learn. That's not good parnasa. Good parnasa is when you have time for all of that stuff. That of them? There's there's so many people, and, and we know I'm sure we know people that are so consumed that they, they really have no place for family and for, for Torah, for, for for real meaning. And it just uh, I mean, I think, becomes I think, a becomes a vicious cycle of like, more and more and isn't more. Isn't it like isn't that the one of the things in life is learning how to balance all of those things? Yeah. You're constantly juggling. Without that, without but Emuna is a very big part of that. Yeah, it's like juggling on a unicycle. <laughs> I was joking around <laughs> to uh, to Jerry Litanek. You know, we could put a list together of like multi multi millionaires that said, "I wish I could do this." I'm so jealous. I don't know how you guys pull it off financially. And we're like, all you probably have to do is come with your your bank account and your ATM. You'd probably be just fine forever. But the people say, I'll go when I have five million, and then it turns into ten million. And um, one of, like yeah, one of um, someone was telling with a ridiculous amount of money was just telling my friend. He's, uh, he's he's done in America. He's got to go to Herzliya. Like he wants to move to Herzliya on the beach, and he's just done with all of this. I, I told I said, I guarantee you he'll never go. I hope he does, but I said he's not going. Any, he's not going anywhere. Um. Okay, let's do another two three lines here. Ubatifas <clears> tzitzis. <throat> the last word on the line is tzitzis. When one puts on tzitzis, or really, literally one wraps themselves in the tzitzis. Talis, Yechavin, one should have intention, Kamashakasa Bezayar. This is written in the Zayar from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai. Lahamshik Allah Malchusa Yisbarich, to draw down upon oneself Hashem's kingdom. Asherim Malchus Kol Olamim, which is the kingdom of all worlds. The Zohar says that when you wrap yourselves in the Talis, it's interesting. Excuse me. The mitzvah of tzitzis has two forms to it. There's like a tzitzis, like a, what you call a, tal- a small talus. And they have the talus that you daven in. But, and the, the full fulfillment of the mitzvah is the talus that you wrap yourself in. That's why we make a special baruch. We say, lihis atef batzitz, is to wrap ourselves. And the Zohar says that when one wraps themselves in that talus, what they're really doing is they're wrapping like themselves in Hashem's kingdom. That Hashem is all-encompassing. Yeah, I thought you were wrapping yourself in the, the Torah and the mitzvahs, because numerically it's 613. It's that as well, right? right? The 613. But ultimately, the, that's the actual tzitzis. That's the strands of the tzitzis. Uh-huh. The talus is the kingdom of Hashem from which the Torah and mitzvahs come out of. 
just like the strands come out of the talus. The talus is the garment. So when one wraps themselves in that garment, what they're supposed to be thinking about, according to the Zohar, is that I am accepting myself, that I'm surrounded in Hashem's kingdom. Um, I've always felt there's more Kedusha with the talus than there's with the tefillin. Like I've always felt the Kedusha is high. Like, for some reason, when you wrap yourself with the talus, there's a certain... So it's hard to say. I mean, uh, uh, technically, it's not the opposite. The, yeah. the tefillin are more an object of Kedusha than a talus because the tefillin have Hashem's name, they're parchment scrolls from the Torah, but there's something special to the talus. There's something, there's something encompassing about the talus. Yeah. The tefillin is more unique and individual and powerful, but there's something encompassing about the talus. And that's, that's also, you're putting, that, you're, you're putting on the talus first, so there's also like that getting in the mode, maybe. That's true. There's a lead up there. Yeah. According to the Shulchan Aruch, it says you put on the talus and then the tefillin, it's an ascending in Kedusha. Like the, you're getting involved and then you're getting deeper. Yeah. Um, so one thing is to be mamshich, to draw down Hashem's kingdom, Asher Himalchus Kolam, which is the kingdom of all worlds, liyachda aleinu, alidei mitzvazu, to be miyached, to uniquely connect to that kingdom through the performance of this mitzvah, v'hu ki'inyin som tasim alecha melech. And that's as the Pasuk says, make for yourselves a king. Now, interestingly, that Pasuk is talking about a human king. Um, that's in the Torah portion of Shoftim. One of the mitzvahs of the Torah is to have a human king. But the human king that we had as Jewish people were great tzaddikim. It wasn't just about having a ruler who uh, can run the government. We're talking about people like David HaMelech or Shlomo HaMelech. These were super tzaddikim. So, <clears throat> I mean, not always, though. Not always were they, because many times they didn't act the way they were supposed to. Right. But the way it should be yeah. is that a king in this world, the true Torah king, is an expression of Hashem's malchus so, in this wait, world. So I have that question, actually. I have a question. I, I'm joking. Is, so I know that it's a mitzvah in the Torah to have a human king. Mm-hmm. But then I also thought that it was a punishment in a way because we asked for a human king in Navi. Right. So what? That's a great, famous question that so much was written about. In other words, exactly what you said. You said it excellently. The Torah says, have a king. The Jewish people came to Shmuel and Navi and said, let's have a king. And he berated them. So what do you need a king for? And so um, every Mephorosh talks about this. And you know, Barbanel talks about this pages and pages. The probably the simple answer that includes many many of the answers is in simple form is they wanted the wrong type of king. They were looking for the wrong thing. They were looking for a political leader. They were looking for someone because they needed to be comfortable in the political arena of the world and to wage battles and so on and so forth. And for that, um, Shmuel says, you know, what do you need that for? Hashem is taking care of you. But if a king is really like a tzaddik, like David Melech or Shlomo Melech, and is there to inspire Yiras Shemayim and there to bring us closer to Hashem, then that's a mitzvah. I mean, Mashiach, who we await, is called Melech HaMashiach, is the ultimate king. Mashiach has to be from the house of David, a Melech, and is a Melech. So the idea, so we don't have today a king, a, Jew, a, a Jewish king, but the idea is Hashem is our king. And therefore, when we, when we take that talus, when we wrap ourselves in that kingdom, that's all that type of kavana. So basically, what we learned over here, this is just a continuation of what we've been learning last week, and that is that there is basic Yiras Shemayim that's a necessary prerequisite to mitzvahs. So there's the general thing to think Hashem is looking at me. Then there's specifically, uniquely, every mitzvah to recognize that Hashem is connecting to me through this mitzvah and in each mitzvah individual. So here we talked about tefillin. Today we talked about the chachma bina das of tefillin and the, the intellect and the emotional aspects that we're connecting to Hashem through tefillin. The talus where we're wrapping ourselves in Hashem's kingdom. All of those are the kavanas, the intentions that a person who wants to do the mitzvahs in their entirety um, so when I, it's not just about doing it, but also 
um, preceding it with the basic kavana of accepting Hashem as our king and the mitz- and recognizing that through the mitzvahs we become more fully connected and more fully um, included within that malchus of Hashem. So as we go on, next week we'll talk about, so what if I don't feel it? What if I just think about it, but I don't feel it? What if I feel it a little bit? You know, How much do you have to feel it in order for it to be counted as yira? And so on. So he's going to go through that in the next steps of the Perik. So do we continue? Um, next week is a week that works. I think, as far as you know. I have, I'm 